Okay, so hello folks and welcome to another 30 Minutes with, I'm Mitch Beshard and as always I'm joined by the swashbuckling pint-sized pirate that is Daz Haldane. If you guys are regular listens, listeners to the show, then you'll know that our 30-minute episodes were always joined by a whiskey superstar. And this week, we are lucky enough to have Kirsty McCallan, master blender of Aber Falls Whiskey, jump into the hot seat. Kirsty, thanks so much for joining us. No problem at all. It's great to be here. Kirsty, I mean, I've, I've seen your name bounded around a lot and I've, I've seen your face at a number of events and things like that. It's a real pleasure to have you here on the show and, and you've got over two decades of experience that must uh, make you feel a wee bit sick sometimes when that when you hear that <laughs> makes you feel a bit old <laughs> <laughs> but um look in 2021 you joined Halewood um from Glen Turner uh, where you worked as head of whiskey creation for Glen Murray prior to that you were at Distel I know your name from Distel for sure when you were at Boonahaven, Deanston, Tobermory we've still got a lot of friends over there as well um so you've got a lot of experience, some brilliant brands under your belt as well. And it'd be great to just sort of talk to you more about kind of blending and how it came to be. And, and now you're overseeing uh, one of these rising stars in Aberfalls whiskies as well, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must admit, I, I absolutely love Aber. It was just the whole, the whole idea of moving into a distillery that was new because I loved Bonahaven and Deanston and Dormori and actually all whiskies I work with that I'm totally <laughs> passionate about. Um, but most distilleries have always been established. They've been there. They've got a character that people identify with them. They've got a way of being a taste that's supposedly their kind of taste. We have always been new. Everything's out there to play for. It's basically you can start from scratch and build whatever you want as your vision going forward for the distillery and for the, the, the taste of the, the product and the brand going forward. And it's just it's such a unique opportunity to do that. Yeah, because I, I know that Mitch and I actually we stumbled across it last year and um we, we really enjoyed it. Actually, we did one of the world whiskey um sort of world whiskey episode and we covered a lot of different whiskies. We were tasting lots and lots of different things and and we actually, we're really, I don't mean this in a negative way, we we're pleasantly surprised just by how enjoyable, how drinkable and things Aberfalls was. And and since then, Mitch has, has tried a lot more of it than I have. But um, yeah, it must be nice not having those traditions necessarily that you you feel maybe sometimes limited to, I suppose, in Scotch. Is, is Welsh whiskey a bit more flexible in terms of what you can and can't do? Or is it sort of same rules, different place? <laughs> it's a little bit more flexible. Um, yeah. For me... Scotch, yes, we have our regulations and our guidelines. Um, to me, it doesn't tie us down. That is our tradition. That is our history. That is what makes Scotch Scotch. But for Welsh, I can start to play about with things like different wood types. So I don't have to use just oak. I can use chestnut. I could use whatever kinds of cherry wood, whatever kinds of oak or, or whatever kinds of wood I want to try. Also, I'm not tied down to the traditional cask route as well. I can try different bits and pieces to see and just experiment a little bit more. We've also, at Aber Falls, we have not only a copper condenser, we have a stainless steel condenser. So we're able to make different spirits of different weights and different bodies as well. So th there's a little bit more I can experiment with at the moment down at Aber Falls. But we are actually looking to put in a GI for Welsh whiskey as well, so that it is a protected status too. Very cool. So... Kirsty, I want to get into Aberfalls a little bit more in a second, but first I want to go into your background a little bit more and find out how you got into this whole industry. Now, I did some digging into your kind of the way you started, and I believe 
Part of your PhD went into analytical developments of single bubble luminescence. Right? Solar luminescence, yeah. Have you, not, have you not done that, Mitch? Have you not oh, done yeah, that? I was, I was just about to start next yeah, yeah. week. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That was on my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kirsty, tell us about your background. How did you get into all this? Uh, basically, I'm, I'm an analytical chemist. Okay. So I left university after getting my degree and started working in pharmaceuticals because that's where I wanted to work. Um, I was told after about six months that if I wanted to get into management grades in pharmaceuticals, I had to become get my PhD. So I went back to university, done my PhD. When I left university after finishing the practical work, there was no jobs available in pharmaceuticals. <laughs> so I got a job as a temporary kind of a lab person in Port and Das Distillery in Glasgow. And I just fell in love with the industry. That was it. That sealed it for me. Um, loved the history, loved the tradition, loved the products, loved the people. It's a very different industry to other ones because you're not a number. You actually are a person. You're a name. It's all about, I don't know anybody who works in this industry who doesn't love it. So it's all about passion as well. Everybody gets on with each other. There's no... There's no big competition. Okay, you might see different bottles on the shop shelves and think, right, okay, that's a that brand, that's a this brand. But behind the scenes, everybody gets on so well together and we all help each other. And you know, we all socialise together as well. So it is an absolutely fantastic industry to be in. And yeah. once I joined it, that was it. I was never going to leave. I'd agree with that 100%. I think, you know, Daz and I have talked often about how we would go to whiskey festivals as ambassadors for specific brands and at the end of that festival, we'd all be drinking each other's drams in the bar, you know what I mean? Whereas you'd see the vodka and the gin guys just sitting by themselves and then just fighting with each other at the end of the night, you know what I mean? It's uh... <laughs> we're all sheer and sheer alike. Exactly. We've had a we've had a few good nights at Port Dundas Distillery though, Mitch, over the years down in the bar there. I don't know. I'm sure you have as well, Kirsty. Yeah. Used yeah. to find some secret gems in there. Remember, we were finding the old bottles of Tankery Malacca and all sorts behind there back in the day. Brilliant. Yeah, long gone, unfortunately. It was, it was I know, I know. It was good fun there, yeah. It was cool because they had the Cooperage on site as well, so you always got to mix with, like, different types as well, you know. It was, yeah, you yeah. had marketing and sales people, you had distillers, you had Coopers, you had all sorts of people from all areas of the industry, all in one building, which was quite unusual. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, Kirsty, I was lucky enough to go down to, to Aberfalls, I think it was February, um, and I actually did a whole video piece on that, Um Anyone who wants to, to see it in a little bit more detail, go on to my um, YouTube channel, Copper Cairn Whiskey Adventures. Check it all out there. Shameless plug, Daz, which, you know, you, you know I love doing that on the show, right? I so, was going to uh, call you out. I'm glad you caught it before I did. <laughs> well, I could see it was on the tip of your tongue, mate. I, I know you're about to get me. But it was really cool because I got to go down there with the distillery and actually get to grips with it all. Um, we did an amazing uh gin tasting session where we made up our own gin obviously looked around the whole whiskey uh, uh production side of things and, and got to taste some great whiskey with you guys so Kirsty, are you going down there a lot are you you interacting with the team a lot down there and also can you explain to people how beautiful it is down there as a as a location uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to get down there quite often yeah nice. uh, at least once a month I try to get down twice if I can um it is absolutely stunning I used to think that Scotland had the most beautiful distilleries. Um, I, I think Aberfalls actually runs quite a few Scottish distilleries quite close for their money. It's just so peaceful. It's it's an ideal distillery place. It's just 
you go there and you've got the mountains behind you. You've got the lovely Menai Straits in front of you. They get much better summer weather than we do. So it's always nice to go that's, down there, especially this time of year. That's not hard, to be fair. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing the thing that, that I loved about it as well, Aberfalls taking its name from the falls. And I actually went up there and saw that. And it is, it is just so beautiful. Stunning. Yes, it is absolutely natural. The, the whole region is stunning. If I was going to move anywhere in the UK outside of Scotland, it would be North Wales would be my first choice because it is just such a beautiful part of the country. And then as Master Blender, what are you doing when you go down on site there? Uh, basically, I'm covering everything. So basically, I cover uh, the new spirit coming off the stills, checking that, making sure the quality, looking after the casks, deciding what casks the spirit's going to go into, uh, monitoring it as it matures. And for every batch you put together, I, I select, hand select all the casks and nose them before they're put together into batches to go out to market. And you're doing an amazing job. I mean, Daz and I, you know, like Daz said earlier on, big fan of the standard Aberfalls, but I was lucky enough to get one of the, the PX casks that you guys did, which I believe is no longer, which is a shame. But yeah, that's stunning. Cask, yeah. So for anyone hang who's listening... That. Hang on to those samples, Mitch. Hang on to those. I've still got... I think there's, there's like half a bottle He still talks left. about it all the time. He keeps going on about it. It is really, really good. <laughs> well, Kirsty, you know, the other thing is my gran was Welsh. So I, I do have a little connection to Welsh, Welsh whiskey there. So... Um, so Let's talk about, uh, you know, you go down there, you're selecting the casks, uh, you're going through the new make spirit. So can you explain to, to, to the listeners, maybe they haven't tried Aberfalls before, what is the sort of house style and, and what are you looking for from, from the whiskey? For me, Aberfalls is very soft, it's very gentle, it's really approachable. It's a whiskey that is it's very easy to drink. There's lots of kind of soft berry notes in it. There's a real creaminess to the spirit. It's an absolutely fantastic dram for people coming into whiskey. So, because there's no big hard hitting flavors, it's all very integrated and rounded. It takes on wood beautifully as well. So we use a, a combination. We have sherry, we have PX, we have Oloroso, virgin oak and bourbon all in the, the standard expression of Aberfalls. And the, the casks, the, the spirit just molds so well to the casks. It's actually, our standard expression is not age, it's a three-year-old, we've we'll, we'll be producing whiskey for three years, so we can't hide the fact it's a three-year-old whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's so smooth for a three-year-old, it's, it's no spiritiness, it's just a lovely, rounded, delicate dram. Yeah, I'd agree and, with and that just, 100%. Yeah, totally. That that was quite creamy as well. I thought when Very we creamy. were tasting it, and that, that kind of surprised me. And knowing, you know, it can't be of you know anything older than what it is. So, what what about different types of casks? Then, when you, you you talked about a lot of casks that we're aware of, and you, you've already suggested perhaps you know chestnut oak, and I guess they come from the Barolo industry and and and, and different places like that. You know, what else is it that you're experimenting with? That are you you going out for weird and wonderful to complement the house style and trialing things that maybe haven't you haven't tried in your Scotch career so far? Yeah, definitely. That's the fun for me. I'm like a kid in a shop. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's try this. Let's try that. Uh, at the moment, I've got some chestnut Vinsanto casks. So we'll have a look to see how that goes. I've got spirit maturing in them and I've also got spirit finishing in them. So to cool. see versus each other, what kind of reactions we get out of what there. What have you kind of learned from those? Because we haven't used those in Scotch probably since the 20s, I guess. Um, uh, there was some ledgers I've seen that maybe they were knocking about in the system for a bit longer than that, but they, they did go away, didn't they? Not, not long after that. 
Yeah, uh, well, I'm still very much at the start of that, that experiment. Um, I think it's been about three months I've been in now. The only thing I can live from the sofa or the cast are absolutely gorgeous themselves. <laughs> beautiful, <little bits laughs> beautiful looking thing, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, using them, I've, I've used the same as I do for some of the crabby so for some chalk eye casks. Yeah. Um, I've also tried some maple syrup casks which I think would be quite exciting because the flavour is that creamy, sweet berry notes. And then yeah. I think we add that kind of maple syrup hint on top of that. I think it would be a real dessert whiskey, but I think there's a real edge to it. I think they could really work well together. So I'm quite excited yeah. to see how the maple syrup cast turn out. Brilliant. I mean, I can see on paper how it would influence that creaminess that you've got at the distillery there and some of those more fruity notes coming through. It, on paper, it sounds like it'll work well. It doesn't, doesn't always quite work out like that. Though, no, no, it? no. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've got an image in my head of like an American breakfast sort of idea. Yeah. <laughs> Pancakes and maple syrup, exactly, totally. <laughs> so I'm interested, you, you're talking about all these casks that we can't use in Scotland, which is you know, one of the things that, that really drew you to, to working with a Welsh whiskey. And then you mentioned about, you know, you guys are looking at a GI for Welsh whiskey. So can you explain to us like, what, what is that going to look like and, and what's in place right now as in the, the rules and regulations for Welsh whiskey? At the moment, the rules and regulations for Welsh whiskey are basically the EU regulations. Um, basically, we have to confirm to what the EU says a whiskey is. What we're looking to do is just maybe bring it in a little bit tighter so that we are actually protecting Welsh whiskey. I don't think we won't come in quite as tight as some of the Scotch regulations, but just to give a little bit more security to Welsh, there's now five distilleries producing Welsh whiskey. So... It is forming a little bit of an industry on its own down there. So it'd be nice just to give it its own identity. Very cool. And, and how collaborative that... is that? So, sorry, sorry, Mitch. Sorry to, I've got something more important to say than you, Mitch. It's better. Um, what, what's the, uh, like with the other distilleries then in the region, you're, you guys all work together. Are you all communicating with one another to sort of develop that yourselves? Or is it kind of led by one and, and sort of the rest are just kind of following? What's the kind of... Um, I've not actually been involved in that side of the communication myself. It's actually been one of our other, um, James Wright, who works down at the distillery itself. And uh, yeah, we out talking to the other distilleries, finding out what they wanted, how, how best to impl implement everybody's needs into mm -hmm. the, because we think all the distillers will have different things they do and different bits and pieces. They've all got to be integrated into this GI. So it can't be made to fit one distillery. It's got to fit the whole, the whole industry. Yeah, because it's something I'm conscious of. I mean, years ago when I was doing a lot more reading on like American whiskey and things like that, the Welsh had a big influence on American whiskey. And you see that on a lot of names. Evan Williams is a great example of a bourbon brand that is clearly, <laughs> clearly a Welsh name. <laughs> it's the most Welsh name there is, right? Um, so there's a great distilling heritage that maybe was lost for a period of time. And it's brilliant to see it coming back. And I guess the awareness of that history has been overshadowed by, you know, the popularity of Scotch, the popularity of Irish, but Welsh were really, really important back then in terms of whiskey production, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as you say, it's totally overshadowed. You don't, the, a lot of people don't think about Welsh whiskey. Okay, Bandern's there, they've been producing some great stuff, but it just it has never seemed like a big whiskey region. But as you say, looking back, there's so many people who have influenced what we now know as bourbon, what we now know as American whiskey that actually mm -hmm. came from Wales. I think it was about the 1900s, the last distillery in Wales kind of right. gave up. Um, but bring it back, there's there's more than enough room for everybody out there in the distilling world. Yeah, definitely. 
And then with Aber Falls, I mean, you've you've chatted about some of the you know the experiments that you're doing right now. Um, as we record this, this is the summer of 2022. Can you talk about what's <coughs> currently out within the range uh, and how that all looks? And okay, at, at the moment, what we have is we have our code expression, which is the Aberfalls single malt. Alongside that, we will be producing what we call distillers cut. So at the moment, that's orange wine casks. So it's not orange wine, it's an orange liqueur uh, cask. So basically, it's one of our cask suppliers in Spain produces this lovely orange wine liqueur. Uh, and basically what he does is he macerates oranges to get the flavour and then puts it into the cask. And we've been able to get these casks and put our whiskey into them. Uh, very much like the, the cask that we used for the Lakes Limited Edition that was out. That was a finish we've actually matured for the full three years. And these casks are amazing when you get them. It's like shoving your nose in a chocolate orange. It really is. The, 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 the scents of that, the casks are absolutely amazing. And in the whiskey, it really comes through. So you get that lovely creamy berry note. Then you've got that chocolatey orange note coming through as well. And it really complements each other very well, but still somehow manages to retain a, a real delicate flavour. So that's our, our, distillers, um, our distillers cut. That will be appearing, there'll be maybe two distillers cuts a year. The next one we're looking to do is Sutern Matured. So that will be appearing in a, a little bit of time. Uh, and there's also another one we're working at the moment too. Um, then we have our distillery exclusives, which tend to be the single cask, like the PX you were talking about was a distillery exclusive. So that's basically hand-selected casks that are chosen for the quality to go out for the distillery visitor centre only. And is that, are you going to do anything with, with sherry casks again? Because, uh, you know, Daz and I thought that worked amazingly well. And the strength of it was really interesting. I think it was up there about 50, 50 odds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a few sherry casks. Yeah, we've got quite a nice supply. Um, we've got some suppliers that I really like working with because of the, the, the quality of the sherry wood. We've been working a lot with them. So we have some nice casks coming through the system, both PX and Oloroso. Um, I've also been trying a few Manzanilla, some Montalado and some Palo Cortado as well. So there's a few things coming through of different types of casks. Very cool. And then moving away a little bit away from, from the whiskey here, Kirsty, it feels like there's been a real sort of positive change within the whiskey industry with regards to females taking on roles as master blenders, you know, over the past, I'd say decade or so. Um, obviously, you're, I hate to go back to, to say that, but you're, 20 years now doing this um you know you've got the likes of rachel barry producing some great whiskey for brown foreman kelsey mckinchy just taking over the reins from david stewart over at balvenie emma walker recently taken on johnny walker so it, it's great to see and, and you know daz and i are huge fans of that going on because when we started it was just all the old guys that we were chatting to so it's great to see a lot more females come into the the whiskey industry but what do you think are any other positive uh, changes that you've seen within the whiskey industry? I've seen a lot of younger people coming into whiskey, which is great. I think for a long time, whiskey was very much seen as being a kind of middle-aged man's drink sort of idea. You had to be a certain age, you have to be of a certain sort of profile to drink whiskey. And I think now you're starting to see both in the industry and in the consumer, you're starting to see a lot of younger people coming in. There's more females coming in. There's more diversity, which is, is great for the industry. There's also, we seem to be moving away from this snobbiness that's always been kind of associated with the industry. Like, um, you can't do this with whiskey, you can't do that with whiskey, you only add water, you only add ice. Now we're actually coming out and saying, hey ho, do what you like, you've bought the whiskey, you've paid for it, enjoy it with whatever you want to drink in it. 
Because for me, I don't make whiskey for people to sit and say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. You want them to sit and actually enjoy drinking it. And that's what I love seeing is no matter if it's a cocktail, straight drink, highball, whatever, as long as you enjoy drinking it, that's the main thing about whiskey. And that's becoming more and more um, accepted out there. You see more and more people just drinking whiskey for the enjoyment of drinking whiskey. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? And we've noticed that a lot, haven't we, Mitch? I remember we always talk about this when we started uh, running around for Diageo back in the day. It was golf clubs and nobody really wanted to speak to us about yes. single malt whiskey and how, how much that's changed, certainly it's, in Scotland. They still the really don't want to speak to Daz, Kirsty, to be No, that's true, actually. That, that's I don't true. believe that. <laughs> Uh, but look, look, away, away from whiskey again, and um, other than bubble luminescence, um, <laughs> you obviously have a huge passion for whiskey as well. It's obvious when you, you speak to yourself. But am I right in saying you're a big fan in, in cars? Is that right? Rally cars in particular, yes, is I it? Am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big rally fan. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to go, I've not done it for a few years due to COVID, but as part of my, my holidays, I used to go to watch some of the rounds of the WRC. So, yeah, I'm a big rally fan. Formula One as well. Take them for a spin. I've been a couple of times, but um, I don't think I could do it. It's too scary. <laughs> uh, Formula One, yeah, I've, I've, I'm a big Formula One fan. Not so much the last couple of seasons, but I have. I used to be a lot bigger, but I do like Formula One. Anything with an engine. Kirsty, we need to get you back on because Daz is obsessed to do an episode about whiskey cars and whiskey mobiles. So Ooh. maybe you could help us out with that. Yeah, we Aberfalls. Uh, I, I don't know. If, it'd have to, probably have to be a Ferrari if it was an Aberfalls one to tie in with the red, right? We've got a big discovery if that helps. That'll be fine. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Ferrari's going to last very long in the hills, Mitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we had them. Um, it's, it's funny actually. I don't know if you've ever come across Andy Jardin. Um, Kirsty up at White and Mackay. He's based up at Invergordon between Dalmore and Invergordon. He's an engineer. He's a big rally guy as well. Um, he was always getting me to do tastings and things like that for some of these uh, rally events that were going up the North Coast 500 and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, 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 they're, they're totally intertwined, Mitch. There's an episode in here, I'm telling you. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I managed to get myself out to Rally Finland to do a tasting. Uh, I was a whiskey tasting for Tommy Mackinnon, who was one of the yes. world champions in rally. So, yeah, they definitely are intertwined. <laughs> that is brilliant. What was that like? What was it good? It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, Aye. it was I've, because he is he is my was my rally hero. So it Aye. was a, a slightly kind of eh, eh. Were you starstruck? <laughs> they always say don't meet your heroes, but was, was he was he a cool guy? He's a lovely guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. one of the nicest people you could meet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, Kirsty, thank you so much for your time. Um, we know you're very busy making whiskey, and we appreciate you taking the time out to to sit and chat with us about all the amazing things you're doing up at Aberfalls. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll definitely maybe we need to organise a little uh, a little road trip down there, Daz, and all go and hang out together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll go. We'll go and see our Welsh mate Craig. Um, he he usually tunes in every now and then. And when Mitch was last down, did you go to the distillery with Craig? Craig was there. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll catch up with him. Another excuse to go back down and have a few nice drams and it with new releases and new experiments and stuff. There's plenty of reason to come down and see you, Kirsty, if you're there. If not, obviously the distillery team, I'm sure, will be happy to look after us, yeah. No, I'll, be, I'll make sure I'm there, so whenever you're that... welcome anytime you want to come for a visit. Yes, brilliant. Brilliant. All right, Kirsty, we'll take care. Thanks again for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Okay, guys, all the best. Bye. See you.